Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 48, the I Should Be Packing episode. Hey everybody, as I said, I really should be packing right now, so I'm going to keep this show as short as possible, which is unfortunately is probably a little bit long, I've got a few things to cover. Straight to the news. Uh, first up, Lord of the Rings Living Card Game. Another expansion is available. This is Against the Shadows, no, the Against the Shadow Cycle number five. Uh, the Juggernaut keeps on rolling. I think. I don't remember what this expansion is called. Um, next up, there's a uh, Friedman Freeze has designed a maze, and it was mentioned on BGG. It's interesting. It was part of the Friday project where I think it was designing different games each based on the word Friday and all designed on Friday and that's where the game Friday came from but this is a maze it's a folding maze you gotta fold the paper to continue the maze sometimes um looked pretty neat looking forward to it being available someday somewhere uh next up there's a game on Kickstarter called Spell Saga it's a really neat looking game it's a card game in which you're telling a story the art looks fantastic it reminds me a lot of the game Loom a video game from years ago from LucasArts I think it was from the 80s Maybe the 90s. Um, as a matter of fact, I am interviewing Todd, um, Todd somebody, sorry, I don't remember the name right now, the designer of the game, and they'll be coming up shortly. And finally, also on Kickstarter, uh, an expansion for the game Police Precinct will be available, I believe, starting tomorrow, available for backing. Um, this is a game in which you're playing police, trying to fight crime. It's a cooperative game, so you can play it solo. It looks really neat. The The expansion is available, but I believe there's also going to be a few copies of the base game available through the campaign if you don't already have the game and you're interested in it. I will try to include links to all this stuff that I've mentioned. Um, as I said, I am in the process of moving, so let's jump into the interview which I recorded a few nights ago. Today I'm talking to Todd from French Toast Games, and we're hi Todd. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I've been photoshopping all day, but you know it's last year of my life, so it's fine. Okay. And so so we're here today today to talk about a game you've got on Kickstarter right now called Spell Saga. And this is a a fantasy card game. I guess it's an adventure game. Can you tell me yeah, more about I don't, it? I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to label it. We we made up the dumb name tabletop novel, my friends and I, because we didn't know what else to. I mean, it's it's fair to call it a game. It's a solo play game. You play with cards, but at the same time, it's also a novel that was written with uh, cards instead of paragraphs, really. So uh, it feels unfair to call it either just a novel or or just a game. It definitely feels like both when you're playing it. Neat. Okay. Is it a very linear experience then when you play it, or no? That's it's 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 weird. It took a long time to figure out how to make it, but it's it's uh, the the best way to explain, it, I guess, would be if you've ever played uh, any anything from like Zelda to Final Fantasy, you know, the video games. It, it's uh, You've got like a you've got a story and you have you have an obvious beginning because every story does and you have an obvious end because every story does and there's a lot of like checkpoints and things that happen in the middle sometimes in certain orders sometimes not 
And it's sort of up to you what happens in the game. And every single time you play it, it's different. It's a different story. So it's 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 not linear, but it very much has an enforced story and world and characters that you're in. Even though you might not get all that story each time, and not all the all the characters, or even or even discover every part of the world until you play it a couple times. Okay, that, that sounds really cool. What um. Can you tell me more about the story? Because when I look at the art, it reminds me a lot of the the game Loom by Lucas Arts, which I think came out back in the eighties. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I haven't played that. Um, Lucas Arts has a lot of cool games out. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyline is it's a post-apocalyptic medieval western, and you play as a nameless hero called the Last Minstrel. And uh, as the story starts, the world has ended. It, it is post-apocalyptic. You spend your time trying to figure out what happened. You, you, you piece things together by talking to different uh, folk around the world and getting story cards. And you piece together that um, something happened to end the world. And there was a army. There were four armies called the Weather Guard. And there was one for each season. And uh, the Winter Guard messed up. And there's, there's conflicting accounts to what happened. And you're sort of trying to figure that out as you play through the game. And uh, uh, you're also trying to figure out what happened to all the other minstrels, why you are the last one, because they all went off in search of answers. And so now you're going in search of answers. But that's, you know, not only are you, the player, trying to figure this stuff out, so is the hero. And it's, it's unclear a lot of things until you've played through the first deck, and then you get to the second, and you start to learn more and more. But you start to piece together things that there was a black god on a shore somewhere that had two hearts, and the winter hmm. guard carved one out and tried to put the monster to sleep in something. Apparently, the world ended because of this, and now you're, you're you know, the story, that story is done, and now it's a new sort of era. So that's that's uh, the basics of it. Wow. Well, okay. And this comes out as you're playing the game. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And you said there's multiple decks in the game. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the first deck is the, the Highlands. Um, it's got a sort of like a, a Northern Europe Scottish feel to it, maybe. And then you got uh, the the Forest is the second deck, and it's it's really hard. It's a Enchanted Forest. That's very magical, and uh, much like a lot of fairy tales, you can't really find your way out of the forest unless you do the right things. Like uh, you can easily get lost and die in there. And the, the second deck has it carries the flavor over, but there's also a bit of um, I don't know my my love of uh, maybe Japanese gaming and fairy tales sort of pulls into that a little bit. There's a bit of Asian influence in that one, and then uh, you get to the if you survive, you get to the third deck, which is massive, um, and it's it's called the the caverns, and uh, it's it's a dungeon crawl, and it's got black and white colored monks. Then you start hearing little other pieces of lore of the world, like in the game of Spell Saga, you're collecting spell songs you use basically as magic and playing them on your instruments, and each song generally has a color associated to it, and you start to learn more about colors and things and why that is. And there used to be rainbow monks, uh, monks of like different colors, but there's 
some uh, kerfuffle in the caverns. He's trying to figure that out, and and his uh, upside down ghost city, and there's a goblin city with a with a ruined church. You gotta get a like pentagram out of, and it's just a lot of crazy stuff. But it uh, it takes if you play, you don't have to play with every card in the deck each time. Like you can move on. You don't have to play every single card you find. But uh, in deck three, if you choose to, there are so many cards. That uh, uh, one of our lead playtesters, uh, Sakroka, him and I played through it, and it took an entire pool table at, at his mom's house to play every card in the deck. Oh wow! And he, yeah, we did a five-hour energy drink when we first started making it. And we had all the rough cards, and he, uh, well, he did a five-hour energy drink. He didn't have any sleep the night before, and it took five hours until he got to the end. And he was like, "I can't, I can't do it anymore." <laughs> But uh, we still talk about that, that that specific session of running through the entire game at once. And there's also there's a fourth deck that's really small, and uh, I won't give away what it is because it is the ending of the story. Okay, fair enough. And so, so you don't play each deck at one time, it sounds like. Yeah, the whole thing is five hours pretty much. Yeah, you yeah you could. Well, if you're if you don't die and you're good at what you're doing, there's there's ways to keep the game going if you die. Like there's a time potion, which is how we we want to put a bit of time travel into the game. And uh, there's a time potion you can drink at certain times that uh, will bring you back to the very beginning of the game, but with all your items and friends that you've acquired. And that's like a last ditch, like, oh no, I'm going to die, you would drink that. So there's ways to keep the game going. And there's also in, in deck three, there's a there's a way to bring people back from the dead. So if you die that way, your heroes can help you and all sorts of stuff. Cool. Okay. So it, can, it can take a long time, but I, I would not recommend doing the whole game in one sitting unless you really don't have anything to do on Saturday <laughs> and you're, you're ready. You've got an iPod with a lot of music on it. Yeah, it sounds a bit masochistic, but I mean, it's nice that you could, uh, that it's going to play out for a long time. Anyway, you could come back to it. Is it? Oh yeah, and it's I like to put I like to put a deck away after after a game and come back and start the next deck a little later, a couple of days later. The first two decks are pretty. It, I mean, it varies depending on what cards you get and how you play them. But I mean, you can probably do the first two decks. I would say in two to three hours if you really get a good hand and know what you're doing in the forest. Okay. And and then you also mentioned on the Kickstarter page there's an epilogue expansion available. Yeah, the epilogue is uh I'm really excited about that. It's it's you're playing uh as the uh the lost singer and it's a girl who looks a lot like the minstrel and she's wearing the last minstrel's clothing and uh it basically takes place I'm not going to tell you why all that is, but if it takes place a bit after the first, uh, the, the actual game, it takes place an undetermined amount of time later, and uh, you wake up on a beach that's covered in what seems to be some sort of enchanted fog, and you walk your way into uh, a sea shanty town that's built on the, on in the shallows of the sea called Fog Town, and uh, it's it's you have a magic mirror that lets you see ghosts and talk to them the ghosts are helping you try to figure out maybe what happened in the first game and uh and you basically play through the entire game backwards as this new character with new cards and 
yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Cool. Okay. And so, when you play that, are you combining the original cards with the expansion? You or? are. There's gonna be there's gonna be all the cards will have numbers on the bottom, like a collector's set would. You know, this is card one of this, card two of this. And uh, when you have the epilogue, it comes with a list of certain cards you're gonna take out of the original game and cards you're gonna put back in from the epilogue deck. I see. That way okay. you won't have. That way, you know, time has passed. Certain things have changed. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Do you have plans for more expansions beyond that one, or, or is this basically well, one story? Well, the thing about the game and the games is we do have plans. We don't call them expansions necessarily. We want to do, like, there's Spell Saga and then there's the Epilogue, but really that in and of itself is just the middle of a of a much larger story you know, that we've already planned at one time. You know, Joss, the other lead playtester, was over because we've been, you know, playtesting and filming during everything. I was like cooking food, and I said, "Hey, here's the story." I, I went from beginning to end, everything that happened, and got really excited. And uh, we talked about, and you know, little ideas will come every once in a while. It'll be a new thing. But what we're going to call it is, we're going to call if this is a tabletop novel, we're going to do smaller games that are called. Uh, Realm Walkers, so it spells like a Realm Walker, and they're going to be like tabletop novellas. So they're going to be shorter, one to two decks, maybe only 100 cards, but they're going to be little self-contained stories that pop around the time frame before and after this middle game until, I mean, let's, we got like, I think we have five or six Realm Walkers planned. And you can really just okay. play whichever game you want. If you want more of an experience... You can you can play all of them. And of course, it'll take a couple of years to get all that situated and figured out, but it's fun. Yeah. Okay. So it really does sound a lot more like a a story than a game in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. It's definitely pulling from both. Okay. Are are you a gamer in general? Do you play a lot of other games, or are you more of a well, writer? I mean, I don't I don't call myself a gamer per se. Certainly. Uh, Sakroka, uh, who started, you know, the game with me, he was the first guy to sit down and tell me, like, the first guy was like, this is not fun. You know, like, we, we've been working on it for years together. But uh, certainly he is a gamer, and he is... The reason I can't even begin to call myself that is he's so good at what he does. Like, I, I, there's certain games that I will not play with him. Like, I won't play with oh. him because I know that he will win. Like, it's he thinks in a different way. I, I'm very bad at games. I like them and I play them, but even my own games, all my friends beat me at. Like I, I, I can think in ways to make things that we have fun playing, and my friends can find interesting things to do with the pieces that I give them. But they're much better at manipulating what I've made than I am. Okay, and that goes for probably all games. Like I am not even Dungeons and Dragons. I am not a good gamer. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, are you a writer? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds douchey. Yeah, I am. I am. I do write things. I uh, before Spell Saga, really, the reason that Spell Saga even came about was, I mean, I I've been making games a lot longer than I've been writing. The first game that I made, my friends and I liked, I spent. It took like 16 years of going back to every once in a while, and uh, it was called Chain Spell. And, we, and now we want to actually publish it, but I, I spent years working on game stuff. 
And I started getting, I always wanted to be a writer, but I was like, that seems like a hard thing to do. And I started writing comic book scripts that went nowhere because I couldn't find an artist. And then I was like, oh, if I can't find artists, I'll just turn them into a book, which is, you can't actually do because a, a comic book is a comic book, a book is a book. And mm-hmm. as soon as you try to adapt it, it just falls apart. So I did get to write my first, uh, you know, shitty novel because I tried to adapt my own comic book. So I got that out of the way. It was like, oh, I got a novel out of the way. That was really bad. <laughs> I thought I can do a lot better. And I spent about two years on my first real novel. And uh, it's in first draft right now, and it's about 700 pages. It'll be another 200 by the time I get the second draft done. But the reason that Spellfire came about was I had finished this massive novel, and I needed, you know, things to do. Because you can't just write a novel every day. You've got to take mm-hmm. a break every once in a while for like a week. And I started doing this thing on uh, around holidays and stuff where I wouldn't write and I'd just play video games or something or work on my own games. And I had a little Nintendo, like a Nintendo DS. Mm-hmm. And it was, the screen was so small. I was so excited to be playing it that I played it for too long and I burned my eyes out. And I had this the worst migraine I've okay. ever had for like a day or two. And I was like, well, I don't, I can't write and I can't play video games. I wasn't around any friends with the holidays. I was like, uh... I'll just make a card game I can play by myself. And then that ended up just taking over my entire life. So that's, that's how Spellsog came about was because I, I, yeah, I am a writer, but it, uh, I used to be anyway. Now it's all <laughs> games for the last year. Wow, okay. So it takes a long time to make a game, huh? A lot of playtesting and all that. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And it's, I mean, it's, it's fun and it feels good and um it's really neat to spend like this i think by the end of this week coming up it'll be one complete year of getting this thing ready for other people to play and and ready for the kickstarter and everything is one year of just photoshopping every night after my day job and on the weekends but it's fun it's it's uh it's 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 been really exciting. Like, you know, like man, people are people are gonna play this. I wonder what that's gonna be like. And having my cousin Lauren do the artwork. I mean, she was like seventeen, maybe when we when I first started making the game, and she mm-hmm. and she did a little bit of art for it. And uh, now, in, in the last year, she's done like probably over a hundred pieces, and it's been really need to like Skype with her and, and like figure out what things look like and like design the cards and showing them online, like on board game geek and people being like, this looks cool, but your graphic design is terrible. And then, okay, let's redo everything. And it just, uh, it takes a long time, but it's, um, it's really in, in and of itself fulfilling because, you know, I have mm-hmm. OCD, like most people that make things. So constantly tweaking things feels great. But uh, having goals feels really good always, and and now that people on the Kickstarter are downloading it and playing it, we get messages almost every day from around the world of of people trying this game, and the nicest shit anyone's ever said to me, just like people thanking us for all the hard work and, and asking us questions on if they can do things and getting super excited when they can. That's and, great. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. The weirdest thing is that the most unexpected thing is that people keep telling us, I can't wait to play this with my kids, which was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never, I never imagined that, but I guess it would make sense that if you enjoy playing cards or board games as a hobby, uh, something that you possibly could sit down with your kid and do would, would be a lot of fun, I guess, to share that. I, I had no, I didn't think about that at all. Yeah, yeah, I mean, earlier tonight, my son was sitting next to me playing a game. I had yeah. tried a solo game I tried out, and then he wanted to try it out, too. So I sat with him and showed him how to play it and all that. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice hanging out with him. Yeah, I bet that's great. Mm-hmm. So you said the art is by your cousin, and she, she was 17 when she started. The art looks really, really great. Oh, she's phenomenal. Of course, she's so good that for her, it's like, a bother to sit down. It's just like she's so good at it that she she doesn't even want to be an artist. Like <laughs> I keep pushing her to help me, but like she's she's in school right now, a lot of school. She she wants to be a veterinarian among other things, and she's uh, she's working really hard in school, and uh, she's in uh, working shitty jobs and stuff. And then we both get home from our shitty jobs and have to you know, art Skype where she'd share a screen and we have to figure things out, like argue about things and, and the stuff that she brings to the table. It's, it's such a, I remember the first time she was 17 when we were, we tried pitching the game once and it wasn't a complete disaster, but the stories all surrounding it are hilarious disasters. But I basically had three months to put the entire game together when I just had index cards that barely worked. And so I, I contacted everyone I knew that knew how to draw anything. And my you know, 17-year-old cousin was the only one that sent some stuff. And then one night out of the blue, she sent a picture. After it, she wrote, I have a vision. And then a couple hours later, she sent me a picture that is now the main hero card. And it was like, holy shit. And she said, yeah, yeah, it's going to be this... Uh, golden book style like uh fairy tale thing and she figured it out and a couple of years later when we when i said i'm we're gonna kickstart this and i really want you to be a part of it and do anything that you can and uh she was like well maybe i can help but i don't have a lot of times i know mm-hmm. but check this out and i sat down and i did something which i haven't hadn't done with anyone before this which was go through the entire story and read her certain cards from beginning to end and tell her the ending and she was like, I, I really like that. I want to be a part of that. I said, well, good, because I can't draw. So <laughs> we spent the last year trying to make time. And, man, she has a hectic life, but she knocked the shit out of this stuff. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then she keeps getting better and better, too. Like when we had to do the uh, the uh, Kickstarter exclusive cards and, like, the collectible content packs and stuff, She every time she draws, it's better than the last time. And I don't. It's it. I know that she wouldn't say this, but she seems to do it so effortlessly that it's it's mind-boggling. I mean, we're related. She's she's, you know, our our dads are brothers, and I can barely draw draw a stick figure. That's funny. I mean, the art looks great. I mean, every time I look at it, it's what really gets me excited about the game. Yeah, it's 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 just beautiful, and I'm glad that we could figure out the. We really pushed the graphic design to show as much of that art as possible because it really just it feels lovely when you're playing. Oh, so yeah, so you're doing this on Kickstarter. What's that like? Had you been involved with Kickstarter before at all? 
you know, for a long time, I did not understand Kickstarter at all because there was a lot of projects by people, including people that I knew that were basically like, you know, give me money to do something. And it was like, well, you're out. What are you trying to do? That and it was usually it was a lot of times it was things they could do without money. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed very strange. And, and as time went on, I started to see things that were really neat and people making really good cases like, hey, we, are, we need money to do this thing that's going to be awesome and you can be a part of it. You know, I really liked that aspect of it. But I still wasn't sold. My aunt Cindy and uh, Sokroko were both like, you need to kickstart this. You need to kickstart. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I felt in some way, it, 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 it feels weird to say, but I did feel in some way that by asking people for money to make a product for them, it would, it would cheapen it in some way. And I, I guess I come from an older school of uh, capitalism, <laughs> commercialism. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just, especially like in the writing world, a lot of people now are self-publishing, and I still feel nervous about it. Like, I, I don't think I would self-publish, but then again, I don't know. I didn't think I would ever kickstart. It feels like, uh, for some reason, the idea of finding an agent or publisher that says you're good enough and then putting the money up to do it is is validating towards the public or towards your work. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, came, it got to the point where Sokroka and I we're having lunch together. We hadn't seen each other in like a year because our lives blew up and got crazy. We're sitting at lunch we're like, oh, you know, it's been a year since we tried to pitch this thing. And like, how could we do this? And I don't know. Maybe we could self-publish it. Let's not do Kickstarter. Maybe we could self-publish it. Let's figure it out. And uh, so we started looking into that. And like a month or two later, uh, my buddy Nathan he kept asking about the game, so I told him about it. I said, I'll bring it over sometime. So we would, you know, get together down the street at what we call the boys' house, my wife and I, because all our friends live there, and they're all boys, and they all live together. Mm-hmm. So we were going there, and everyone's, you know, drinking beer and hanging out, and I brought the game in. I was like, do you want to play? And they said, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sat down, and he got really into it. And I was like, and I hadn't seen anyone play it in a while. And I was like, oh, maybe this is a fun game after all. It shouldn't just be on the shelf. And then uh, our buddy Josh Rizzo walked in, and his brother Johnny was sitting there. He said, Josh, you will like this. You need to sit down and play it. And Josh sat down, and he and now he's lead playtester play on the game with me. But uh, he sat down, and he started playing it. And I'd never seen anyone play a game like him before. It was, it was weird and scary. Like He was like, he didn't want the rules. He just wanted the bare basics of everything. He's like, what does the hand do? What does this do? Okay. And I just sort of left him alone and watched him play from a distance. And he really mm-hmm. liked it. And by the time I got home, I told my wife, I was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll get started. Maybe that's, maybe that is the best option. And I'm really glad we did. Oh, that's very neat. So how much time are you spending supporting the campaign right now? I imagine it's... Every, every spare minute. Yeah. Wow, okay. Every spare minute. There's so much... The updates, you know, they need to be uh, updated. <laughs> they need okay. words and things. And you got to figure out what you're going to talk about. And you got to reach out and send press releases out to every corner of the earth. And, you know, Josh and I have been filming videos of playthroughs and things because people are asking, like, this looks cool, but how does it actually work? And is it, you know, everyone asks, is it linear and things like that? It's like, well, let's, let's just show them how it looks when you're playing. 
and uh, those take a while to do. And um, also just play testing and play testing, and uh, so that we can keep updating with new things. It it's it takes every spare minute. Wow. Okay. I mean, I guess in a way, the people aren't investors, but in a way, you're you're sort of trying to accommodate the investors. In a way, yeah. I mean, they're they're um. It's it's sort of like having uh, friends that all believe in you and want to succeed, and you want to make sure that they keep believing in you. And the ones that are on the fence, because there's there's plenty of people that send messages like, I don't know, I'll give you a dollar, which I'm super thankful for. Mm-hmm. A dollar is hard work to click through. I've I've, I've seen Kickstarters. I'm like, I'll give them a dollar, and then it's like you have to click two things. Like oh, that seems wrong. <laughs> So anyone that actually does give us a dollar is like, man, thank you for even even believing at all. Uh, the the best thing has been, you know, just the community that is now sprouting up from it. Like, I don't know if we'll make the Kickstarter. And, you know, at this point, you know, Josh and I are, are fine with that. It's, it's It felt like a really good first step. And now we know that no one that has played the game has, has said this is not good. They've all wanted to play more or had some questions, but it, that's it's it's all been super positive. So that feels like such a great step in the right direction. It, it, if the Kickstarter doesn't work, it's just if that's another part of the journey, that's fine. It keeps getting more and more fun from the beginning that I made the game to pulling all my friends in and you know forcing labor upon them, but. Uh, <laughs> Everything keeps, and now there's a community where it was just me and my friends who knew about it. Now people around the world know about it. Yeah, and I think right. a lot of people are still, you know, waiting to see more about it. But uh, even if the Kickstarter doesn't work, we can keep going. We're already working on a plan B, which will take longer, but uh, everything just feels great. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, regardless of what happens with the Kickstarter, you still got all the work you've done, and that's. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's 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 funny, you know. When I was writing the novel, uh, it's it's weird the power that it has over you when you're like, okay, a goal is this date, this much will be done of something. And having the Kickstarter there was a great goal to be like, everything has to get done by now. It has to work like this. And so, like Josh is working on a on a new game that he just came up with that is sort of like an evolution of the tabletop novel idea. Mm-hmm. It'll be a solo play, but it's it's such a good idea. I'm jealous. And I'm constantly texting him and, and running up to him to, hey, what is this? And like, it's it's so good. And uh, like just last night by the fire outside, I was like, let's let's put a date on the first part that needs to be done so we can tr- play test a little bit. Let's just have it done by the end of the year. And he's like, yeah, we can do that. It's, it feels good to have a... a deadline and kickstarter has been fantastic if only for that uh, that's very cool i want to know more about that game once uh once you have enough information to be able to talk about it oh man i don't know we i just we just settled on the title last night and I, i'm sure i can't say anything about him getting mad but it's it's like his first baby you know he's he, he's already mm-hmm. got half a notebook or more filled up and it's 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 interesting because he's going about things differently than I do, but, but, uh, coming up with these organic, wonderful results. So it's, it's neat to see his version of like a one player sort of story thing 
It's it's very different. It's very I've never heard of anything like what he's doing. I think it's it's just as cool, if not cooler than Spellsaga, unfortunately. <laughs> Sounds very neat. And so so is that gonna be part of the French toast also? Yeah, yeah. That's we fun. got we're gonna do Spell Saga. As long as it takes, we're gonna get it done. And we have the chain spell game, which we worked on, which I worked on since I was in like seventh grade. And that came about because my parents wouldn't let me play anything that thought was evil, which meant oh. anything. So I started making my own game and years and years and years later it kept evolving and now it's called Chain Spell and it's like a two to four player card game and it's really fun. Like that's out of all the games my friends and I can play if we're all hanging out together, that's the one that's usually brought up. Then let's just play that because it's we just have a lot of fun at it. I mean, unless the crook is playing, so he's too good. I can't beat him. <laughs> I can't mean. And so, why is the company called French Toast? Um, basically, uh, I love French Toast. <laughs> um, it's it's the idea of the uh, taking like. A lot of game companies have these, like, uh, either over-serious or goofy names, and I won't name any, of course, but you can imagine, uh, and there, mm-hmm. there's so many that take themselves either seriously or that they're trying to be funny, and I thought, you know, well, let's try it, let's just do it differently, and, I mean, we could have picked anything, we thought, just, you mm-hmm. know, French Toast Gaming Co. is so, it's so strange-sounding. <laughs> It sounds, it sounds delicious. Like I, I, I keep making up fake, you know, uh, catchphrases for it. It's like, oh, like uh, games should be delicious, or we're hungry for new types of games. But really, it's just because it sounded fun to call us that, and it's confusing, and, and it makes me laugh. Okay, you know, as long as people remember it, it's a good name. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. And I, I mean, that then we get to call my house the bread forge which is great <laughs> and we can have we can have a symbol it's like a fork and a knife cross like there's 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 endless options when you have a <laughs> ridiculous name like that that's cool all right so, so is there anything else you want to talk about anything you want to mention oh man i don't know i mean whatever whatever i'm having fun but whatever you want to talk about I mean, this sounds like a first date. Good lord. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess, I would want to say, you know, thank you to everyone that checked us out. Even people that clicked our video and watched are like, that seems cool, and they, they just didn't do anything else. I mean, they still they still spend the time watching it, and uh, I mean, all the attention means a lot to us. Uh, again, the nicest messages I've ever received, and uh, we're certainly. I mean, it's still, it's still possible. We saw some really big reviews that are supposed to come in, but if they don't, it's, it's, it's fine. And hmm. we feel like it's, it's succeeded already just because people enjoy it and are talking about it and asking us to keep going. And we certainly are. Uh, Plan B is getting, at this point, just as exciting to me as the Kickstarter was. We haven't finalized anything yet, but we will definitely be around and you will be able to play our game as soon as possible. Okay, that's excellent. I do have one more question. Um the yeah. mu- the music for the that you got for the for the game, I guess, for the story. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Where did that come from? And, you know, again, 
the um the 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 yeah the uh yeah uh i i wrote about it in the update but it was um i was on myspace in like 2000 and something whenever whenever harry potter and the half-blood prince came out because i was reading at the time and i got a banned friend request which i usually ignore but a name like cricket engine you can't possibly ignore because it might be the best thing ever <laughs> And uh, it was, it was that song that you're hearing now. And uh, the song's called Grain. And I loved it so much that I like recorded it off the computer and I put it on a CD and the sound quality was terrible. I'd drive around listening to it all the time. And I loved it. And then of course the CD was lost and then my original file was lost. And I spent years trying to track down. So the band broke up and there was, little to no information about them. And uh, I figured after enough time, somehow I would be able to track them down with the way the internet keeps growing. So mm -hmm. I found off some old music blog, the, an interview with the band and one of the band members, whose name was Sean Malon. And I, uh, I started Googling the name. I started like Facebook the name, like a stalker, like trying to figure out, like, I got to find this guy. And I found someone who's living in Korea, which did not seem promising because the band was from California. Oh, wow. Uh, like this is, but it seemed like some of the stuff on his page that he, it would be similar interest to someone that made that sort of music. So I just messaged him and was like, hey, you know, I, I love that song. If that's you, I, I need to hear it again. And he wrote me back almost to me. He was like, yeah, that was, that was my band. What, there's a couple of versions. Let me send you one. And I was floored because, like, oh my God, I, this this is it. I'd always wanted to use the song for something. I just didn't know what. And so I wrote him and said, you know, this is this is the song. Thank you so much. Can I use it for something? And it was still sort of undetermined what I would use it for. And he's like, yeah, sure. And uh, Me? yeah. And then uh, a year or two later, I had Spellslogger going, and I was like, we want to use it for this. And he was like, cool. He's just he's just a really cool guy. He just sent me a new song recently, actually. Very cool. Okay, was that song also mentioned in the in the Spell Saga Kickstarter page? Thought I saw something. About yeah, yeah. Song. It's the, it's the song that it's the song that plays on the video, and I think there's a little okay. button you can listen to it on the page. But it's uh, and we put it as an update. You can like uh, download it and just play it on repeat while you play and get stoned out. Okay. Very cool. All right, well, I'm going to let you go. It's getting late for me here, and i got a lot more packing to do tomorrow. Man, so, uh, thanks so much for doing this. I really yeah. appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you for coming on, and I wish you the best of luck with the Kickstarter campaign and French toast in general. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, I hope you really enjoyed that interview uh, with Todd. The Spell Sog is a really neat-looking game. It sounds really, really interesting to me. Um, next up, uh, as you probably know, there is now a monthly Solitaire Games on Your Table geek list. I had gone through and compiled the games played for the last two months to figure out what, like, the hottest game, sort of, like, uh, top of the chart sort of thing, I guess, just for the fun of it. And I've done this for October and, and for September and October. But also a user on BGG, Sean Austin, has done the same sort of thing, upset he's compiled all the geek lists from the first one last May and he's got a spreadsheet available a Google document spreadsheet that you can check out if you're interested in more detail 
But um, so here's what I found in September: the top game. Well, no, let's do this more like a countdown. I'm not gonna do the top ten, but there's a total of 147. So let me clarify a little bit. I just went through basically and found all the games listed. I didn't count how many times each person listed a game. There's basically 147 entries, so I counted it as 147 games. I know in some cases somebody said, oh, I just played three games of Friday. Well, since there was only one geek list item, I only counted it as one play. So anyway, based on that, there's about 21 games that were played more than, tw- than two times, or more than one time. A total of 147 total games, and that's uh, 107 unique games that were played in September. So I'm going to say the top five, well... I can't do the top five even. A bunch of these games were played two times each. Um, most of them were. Then, starting at number seven, played three times each were Marquis, Space Empires 4X, and The Lord of the Rings, the card game, oh, and Friday. Each of those were played three times. Played four times was Robinson Crusoe Adventure on Cursed Island. Played six times in September, Space Hulk Death Angel. And the number one spot for September, with a total of 11 plays, 14 if you count the expansions, is the Pathfinder the Adventure card. It's Pathfinder the Adventure card game, Rise of the Rune Lords base set. In October, we had a total of 219 entries, more than half again what the first list had. However, well, almost. Oh, yeah. However, the, the unique count was 130, not that different from September. Uh, in 42 games were played two or more times, double what we had in September. Now the, the list at three gets a lot bigger. I'm going to jump to games played four or more times. First is played four times. We have Sentinels of the Multiverse, High Frontier, High Frontier Colonization, which I guess could count as eight times for High Frontier, Gears of War the board game, uh, Onirim, and Tales of the Arabian Night. Each of those were listed four times. Uh, with five plays, we have Ghost Stories and the Lord of the Rings card game. With seven plays, we have D-Date at Omaha Beach. Nine plays for Friday and the number one game in October, Pathfinder Adventure card game, Rise of the Moon Lords again. Also interesting for the print and play solitaire contest, I found 20 games listed in September that are from the contest and 33 in October. That's roughly one in six games from the list for each month. That's okay, so it's a quick and dirty look. If you're interested in more information, do check out Sean Austin's spreadsheet. He's put a lot of work into that. Also, next up, I mentioned I was going to give away a game in this episode. I am giving away Space Hulk Death Angel. So I'm going to roll a die for all the participants and see who won. Hang on a minute. Okay, so I'm going to roll a D6 and see who the winner is. Actually, we only have... uh, Five entries, so if I get a six, I'll ignore that. The result is four. One, two, three, four. That is user Keywood. Uh, he mentioned his favorite game from the Solitaire Essen list is Mage Knight, the Kong Expansion, or Bremerhaven. All right, Keywood, when you hear this, send me an email or a geek mail, and I'll get your address and send off the Space Hulk Death Angel to you. Congratulations. Thanks, everyone, for entering. It's maybe at least a week before I can send the game out in the middle of all the moving. It isn't packed yet, but, you know, stuff's going on. All right, finally, let me jump into today's game, which is Dungeon Heroes by Gamelin Games. 
Okay, so this game is by Michael Coe. As I said, it's called Dungeon Heroes and published by Game and Games. It came out this year. It was originally funded through Kickstarter. This game is a, a lunch break dungeon crawl. It's designed for two players, but also has a solitaire variant in the box. It's a quick game. A solitaire game only takes about 10 or 15 minutes. What's really neat is this game has some really cool meeples in it for all the monsters and characters. So let me tell you about the components. It's basically, you've got a board, which is a 6x6 grid. You've got a bunch of tiles. Some have monsters, some have traps, some have other things that you could find, or other things that will affect you in the game. And then there's there's some character boards for each of the four heroes you play. Dice to keep track of their hit points. And finally a bunch of meeples. Meeples for the four player characters and another ten meeples for the different monsters. So the way the solitaire game works is pretty simple. Is you're going to mix up the tiles. You're going to mix up all the monsters and traps and treasure tiles. And then add in another 13 of the remaining tiles. Shuffle them all up and place them on the board face down. Your goal is to find the four treasures without dying. The way it works, each turn you have, you can take it for anywhere from four to eight actions. Each hero could take two actions. And then you flip over a row of tiles, the row farthest from you, and start moving any monsters that show up. And then repeat the, the process. Take your actions and then flip over the next closest row. And keep going until either you win the game or die. So it's very fast playing. The, the actions you can take... A, there's four types of heroes. There's a fighter. He could basically move in any orthogonal direction. If he moves onto space with a monster, he kills that monster instantly. The there's a there is a thief. The thief can move orthogonal orthogonally or diagonally. If he moves onto a trap, he disables a trap. There is a cleric who can move orthogonally and can heal two points to any hero for a second action for his other action and finally there's a wizard who can move again in any of the eight ordinal or cardinal positions or whatever that is and for his other ability he can flip over any tile in the dungeon so those are basically all your actions any hero could do the same action twice or two different actions well the fighter or the thief their actions are automatically when they move but for example the cleric could use two heal actions or could move twice or could do one of each other than that, when you move, if you move onto a tile, if it's face down, you flip it face up, and then you do whatever action is required with that tile. If it's a monster, you generally take the damage that the monster deals. If it is a trap, you take the damage that the trap deals. And if it's anything else, it depends. Some tiles move you around on the board or teleport you. Some are treasure. Some are things you could find, artifacts that could help you on your adventure. Generally speaking, the only person you ever want on a monster tile is generally speaking the only person you ever want to space with a monster is the fighter the only person you ever want to space with a trap is a thief everybody else is going to take damage um, the other part to the game is the monster's movement each turn the monsters move one space towards the heroes and in the solitaire game there's rules describing how they move you know they generally go towards the closest hero first if there's two heroes equally close they try to move to space right in between them. If they're adjacent to one hero or to two heroes, 
they got to decide which one to attack. And again, there's rules to describe all this. So it's a pretty quick game. You know, you're taking up to eight actions each turn and then flipping over the row of tiles. And there's only six rows. So when, by the time you flip the last row, the game is just about over. You're either going to win or, you know, if you haven't died already, you are going to die. Now, how does the game feel? When, when I play the game, at first, you know, I'm in... I enter this dungeon room and it feels pretty open and you know I have lots of possibilities and I just kind of start taking actions with everybody and seeing what happens. Very quickly, if you make any dumb moves, you're going to lose heroes and they're probably going to die, which is very unfortunate because I find that if I play and there's and I'm short a couple of heroes or one, even one hero, it's very likely I won't be able to win. Um, what else? As you play, and as the monsters are getting closer, especially the game starts to feel more like a, a chess match, and you're you're very thinking a lot about the uh, choices you have and being very careful about what choice you make. And a, any single wrong move often means you're going to end up losing because you put yourself in a bad spot where you just took too much damage or something. Um, so the game ends up being a really interesting puzzle. Every time you play it, it's very different. Um, it's very tactical. And I have found that. It, at first, it was really hard, and I just cannot imagine how to win. I've played it a bunch of times now, and I'm finding that I could win most of the time, but not every time. And even then, it's still a challenge trying to figure out how to win that puzzle. So I enjoy that. It's a, it's a puzzle that's not always the same, but familiar each time I play it. So now, besides the base game, there's an expansion, and it, it's actually two expansions in one box. One is a damsel expansion. Let me see. One is the dragon and the damsel, and the other is lords of the undead. The way the rules are written, you could use either expansion, but you can't really use both. I mean, you probably can, but I haven't tried it. The dragon and the damsel adds a new monster and a new hero, and actually your goal is to find that hero and rescue her, along with all the treasure. Her abilities, once she's on the board, is she could, again, move any orthogonal direction or give any hero within two spaces of her a free action. So that person could actually take three actions in a turn. I found that playing with her made the game... Once I found her, the game became a lot easier if she was close to my heroes. But still, again, really interesting because suddenly I had a lot more choices on how to play the game. And it becomes really interesting once you're trying to figure out all the different moves you can make and just the right way to win. The other expansion, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but it does look really neat. It adds two monsters. One of them could take over your heroes. And the other one is just really tough because he takes two movement every time he, t every time he takes his turn. Um, on top of that, there's also some artifacts that you could buy. Normally, you just find the artifacts in the dungeon. With these, they have a cost, and you have to spend... Um, how do you say? You have to spend tiles that you have f fought in the game. So either monsters or traps that you've disabled, you add up the, the amount of damage they do, and that is how much of the artifacts you can buy. For example, one of the artifacts costs... I think the cheapest one costs 12 points. So you have to defeat 12 points with the monsters or disable 12 points with the traps or any combination of that. I find that really cool because when when I'm playing the game, normally the thief isn't all that useful. I mean, he's great because he disables the traps, but a lot of times you can get through there and get all the treasure without having to disable the traps. 
So selling this makes the thief a lot more important because you can use him to to disable traps to buy you artifacts that are really powerful. So so that's basically Dungeon Heroes. I'm not going to say a lot because again, I am you know pressed for time this week. It's a game I've really enjoyed. It's a very simple to play game with a lot of strategy and thinking involved when you're in it. Hope you enjoy it. Next time you hear from me, I will have moved. There. Okay, I'm going through editing the podcast and I noticed I left out two things I really want to mention. First of all, the meeples are really cool. They're not just meeples, but they're like shaped character meeples. Uh, the fighter is holding up a, a mace or a sword and the thief looks like he's sneaking around and all the monsters shaped like diff- the monsters. You can tell what they are. They're really, really neat. Definitely go and look pictures of the meeples because they're you just go wow I like that game. The second thing is the expansion. The two expansions aren't specifically designed to be played solitaire, but people have come up with a campaign game for the for using them in solitaire play. You basically play the base game and then you play one expansion and then the other expansion. You choose which order you play with them, but you have to get your heroes alive from beginning to end without dying and carrying over the health from game to game. So if one of your heroes dies in the first adventure, you're not going to be playing with them the second or third adventure. Unless you get really lucky and find a the Holy Grail, which lets you revive a character. Um, so that that's a really neat idea. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.